Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, uh, we have a very important and a very relevant topic for global business, China. The four decades of continuous growth by China and what lessons we all can learn from it. I have with me Bang Niu, an Oxford cohort from China, to share the insights on the phenomenal growth of the country. Welcome, Bang. Thank you, Mahesh. Great to be here today. Wonderful. Bang, I will, uh, what I know about China, I will share with you and we'll build on it. <laughs> all right. So, what, sure. what, what we all see as in past five decades, China had unprecedented rise and is one of the, I would say, a rare economic success stories of a country opening up its economy to world markets. Lesson to be learned. China initiated market reforms, I think, around 1978 uh, with a major shift to a market-based economy from a centrally planned economy. I think that move resulted, uh, you can say, uh, it triggered, it was a trigger point for an unprecedented economic growth and not only economic growth, with a great social impact. The GDP growth averaged close to double digit for most of the times uh, since uh, it opened the economy and created a major economy at the fastest pace in the history. It has uh, now made major contribution to global growth, especially since the financial crisis in 2008. In 2015, China was ranked number one in terms of gross domestic product, uh, purchasing power parity, PPP, at $19.8 trillion, number one economy globally in terms of GDP and PPP basis. And it was followed by the USA at $18 trillion. What a phenomenal achievement. And if you look at the other major achievement of China, which has been the movement of more than 800 million, 800 million people out of poverty. That's a humongous success. The other one is it also succeeded. If you look at the overall uh, growth of a country, it also succeeded in meeting all the Millennium Development Goals by 2015. Now, you can call it, is it emergence of, of a great economy? I would rather call it re-emergence because look back in history. 200 years ago, the Chinese economy was the largest economy in the world. China's GDP at that time, just for comparison, was twice the size of the second largest economy, India at that time, six times the size of Britain, and 20, mark me, 20 times the size of the United States. The per capita GDP of China 200 years ago reached to no, I'm sorry, it was in 1820, reached 84% of the global average in the year 1820. Subsequently in future, it went down to 60% by 1870 and 24% in 1980. 
China's economy declined in the latter half of 19th century, which was caused by the devastation of the agricultural land after the Opium War in the period 1839 to 1842 and the Taiping Rebellion from 1850 to 1864. Subsequently, Western nations gained wealth with the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century, while China lost ground economically at that time. Uh, fast forward, in the late 1970s, then Xiaoping started implementation of market-based reforms, which triggered modernization of China, and it has now emerged as an economic superpower in the global arena. I call it the re-emergence of a great economy, which is China, as as uh, we just looked at the number two year, 200 years ago, that was the biggest economy. So, amazing success story of economic growth. So, Bang, I would like to um, get your insight into this phenomenal success story and long-term economic growth of China. Thank, thank you, Mahesh. You, you provided that. A, a, a fantastic background uh, into in terms of what's been happening in China over the past decades. And I must say, uh, if you look at in terms of the success that China has been able to achieve, and and, and the numbers that you've quoted, they are all certainly you know, nothing short of phenomenal in terms of, especially when you look at in terms of the number of people who have uh, coming out from poverty, the mass urbanization that's been happening uh, over the past decades and the improvement of people's uh, uh, living standard in, in, in China. Um, you see that in terms of the fruits of those economic growth. And, and, and this is where I think you know, it is it's not a miracle as such. It is uh, a, a representation of the sheer determination uh, of of you know the people and and then the government in embracing the full market reform uh, and and drive the economy uh, forward and and I think if you if you look at from where things have been over the past few decades and those phenomenal numbers and growth and the and the success uh, I, I I kind of look at from both the internal and also external factors from from China perspective um, on the internal perspective, of course, you have the massive market reform, the drive uh, that was uh, put in place in terms of the policy frameworks that's coming out from uh, uh, from central government and how that gets executed and implemented uh, across the, uh, the, the the country. Uh, we 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 know of. Uh, some of the uh, sort of uh, uh, views about China in terms of yep, people have uh, restriction in the old days of certain uh, movement of, of labor, but this is nothing uh, compared to that in the sense that if you look at labor mobility, it has been a, a, a critical factor as well, where we see in terms of urbanization, it allows uh, the labor moving from from the uh, uh, countryside into the uh, into the urban areas, but it also in that process helps to improve standard of living, improve uh, knowledge level, and upskilling of the labor. And that is key in terms of the whole market reforms and ability to get policy framework to get the economy moving. From the external side, 
uh, you can, you can, it's very clear. China is one of the biggest uh, uh, proponent and, and supporter of, uh, uh, of, uh, of globalization. And you see that in terms of how it has embraced globalization. It has now emerged, as you pointed out earlier, in terms of uh, the largest trading nation in the world. And also, uh, and, and you see that in terms of, you know, post the ascension of uh, China into WTO, in early 2000, how that has then essentially allowed uh, China to to be able to uh, take on such a, uh, a a big role in in the global trade, and so free trade is, is critical. And of course, in terms of the external factor, we start to see in terms of uh, how much digital digitalization has come in, and and again, the adoption in China has been uh, phenomenal. Uh, it started with the whole. Uh, uh, adoption of mobile telephone, uh, which uh, essentially overcome all the uh, many of the infrastructure constraints in terms of reaching out to the to the countryside by able to deploy uh, in in a in a very massive way uh, the access to 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 uh, to mobile tele- telecommunication across the country, and so those those key things actually helps to build that. Uh, that ability in terms of uh, uh, the necessary uh, ingredients or the critical factors for China to be to be so uh, 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 successful in terms of its uh, uh, market reform and 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 be able to achieve such a phenomenal economic growth. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. Actually, you bring a very good point because if you look at the economy, has not grown only in one sector. You know, yes, social impact has been seen, but it, urbanization is there, moving to the digital is there, and also at the same time the conventional industry has grown quite a bit. And uh, uh, that the amazing part is, uh, if you're looking at such a long time, which is almost we are talking about, you can call it from 1979, four to five decades, to continue the same process, you need a very disciplined approach. And I think the policy making there and, and the drive and the governance probably has played a major role. And also the second part is, is as you rightly highlighted, to become the part of the global business. Yes, and, 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 and you see that uh, whether it's from industry policy or whether in terms of how, you know, the, the upskilling of the labor I'm used to today, you see the uh, Chinese students uh, uh, representing you know, one of the largest uh, foreign students in, in, in most, uh, most uh, OECD countries. And, and, you, and, and that is a, there's an example of that where uh, it is a very open uh, mindset in terms of uh, looking at bringing the best of what the world has achieved and build on it and, and, and build on it to in the context of what uh, China can do really well. So it's the determination, it is the discipline that you talk about, and then also the stability of, of, of government and its policy framework to ensure that there is that uh, uh, ongoing uh, uh, development and, and investment into, into, those, uh, into, into those industries that's going to build the future. Mm-hmm. And, and the cultural aspect also of the, the Chinese way of doing things uh, collectively to build the long-term success for everybody and for the businesses, I think that's going in a long way, not only developing business uh, and, and creating opportunities in the country, 
but allowing multinationals to come in and going into other countries. I, I think there is, a, there is a very strong cultural part of it which is uh, contributing hugely to the success. Uh, certainly, Mahesh, and I think if you look at in terms of uh, the the spirit of entrepreneurship, I mean, you get you know that there's so much uh, uh, appetite for, and and you can see the the uh, the determination of people who actually pursue that. And as you know, uh, China has become the largest trading nation in the world, but not by by accident or anything. It is. And to trade, the fundamental of trading is that you've got to have trade that, you know, uh, that, uh, that is going to be happen that the market wants to, wants to have. And that, uh, and that pretty much play into the core of in terms of how, how, uh, the whole, uh, trading, uh, uh focus, uh, China has, which is that, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, there needs to be win-win outcomes for for all parties involved, and 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 you can see that uh, how that has uh, uh, um, uh, built on such a critical factor in terms of the success uh, to date. Perfect. I think that's a great point. Uh, that how do you create this culture of win-win? Because that's what attracts uh, people to invest into the country. And very very correctly pointed out by you. If you're trading, you got to have those business relationships. You can't have short-term, one-time relationship. You got to build it with multiple people, multiple cultures. As um, China is dealing with, you know, I don't think there's any country which doesn't trade with China. There's so much of business and products <laughs> coming out of China. All right, Bang, it's very exciting discussion. Uh, we're going to take a short break and uh, we will start our discussion in, again in segment two. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, uh, we are in discussion with my Oxford cohort, Bang, on the phenomenal growth story of China. 
Peng, we'll pick up uh, uh, from uh, our segment one. You're talking about uh, the the culture, the culture in China to be successful in business, the positive impact of it. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Thank, thank you, Mahesh. And I think culture plays a, a pretty big role. And as you know, China is a uh, uh, coming from a quite an ancient civilization, uh, but it's very rich in terms of its tradition and and the culture in terms of uh, you know the Confucianism, the whole uh, uh, Buddhist influence as well over the many thousands of years. And so it is important to be able to understand in terms of how you 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 sort of uh, uh, work uh, and, and interact and engage on, on that front. And, and, for, 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 uh, and I think in terms of our, my experience, if you look at in terms of the, uh, the engagement, uh, you, you'll, be, you'll, be, you, you'll find that the Chinese have a very strong focus in terms of getting win-win outcomes uh, for, for, uh, for all parties um, because they are looking for longevity. They're looking for long-term and, and that is key because you know, it is not about just a you know one or two transactions here or there, but it's about how you build that relationship over time, and from that relationship, it's about trust. It's about trust of how you're going to be able to uh, uh, co-create. You're going to be able to do uh, things together. That's going to be able to create something that is going to be uh, great for the market, great for the consumers, and in terms of how you can take your products and create a, that. Uh, uh, innovation into the future, and that, uh, and that is where we find that uh, there's there's an incredible level of uh, uh, appetite for collaboration, uh, and that there is that uh, that uh, drive for success. Uh, but most importantly, uh, it, it is founded on 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 the principle of uh, of win-win for all parties, uh, because for a relationship to be sustainable. Uh, uh, you know, especially at the commercial level, uh, it needs to be one that is going to be positive for all parties in terms of its outcomes, and th- and this is where we see that uh, uh, that culture of uh, interactions and engagement is is all important to build a sustainable success uh, in terms of engagement with with China. Oh, that's that's really nice. I, I think that there can be a lesson learned there. Uh, to uh, to build a long-term relationship for business success. I think that's the main key. The whole foundation of any business is trust. You know, once you build the trust, you build everything else on it. Uh, well, thank you, Bang. We'll, we'll move on now, and uh, I want to share some more information with you regarding the success of China in manufacturing. You know, in the last half century, China has literally transformed itself by manufacturing goods and selling them to the rest of the world uh, and uh, I would say in the process it probably has changed the global economy it had a lot of impact on the global economy uh, if you look at the numbers in 1990 China produced less than 3% of global manufacturing output by value and the same output for China for produced goods uh, increased to 25%. And uh, now, that's the number now, 25%. It has increased to 25%. Uh, China produces 
almost 80% of the world's air conditioners. That's mind-boggling. And it almost produces 70% of its mobile phones. When I say mobile phones, means the global market. And 60% of the shoes in the global economy. That's coming from China. These are all huge numbers. And that shows that that success of focus and discipline once they pick up something. Uh, another interesting uh, point which I uh, picked up from World Bank, they have highlighted about China. Uh, a, a very good point. The percentage of imported components in China's total exports, it used to be 60% in mid-90s. So if they're exporting a product, uh, th there could be 60% of uh, you know imported components in it. Now it has gone down to 35%. So let's look at it. Let me rephrase it. The percentage of imported components in China's total exports has gone down from 60% in 1990s to around 35% today. And you know, what has made this possible? This has been made possible because of the development of local efficient supply chains. And I don't think others are able to replicate it because uh, earlier they were importing most of it. Now they're building themselves. So they build efficient supply chains in-house. And uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see how the government's policy uh, uh, shapes the future because the government has already made in uh, ch uh, the government's made in China 2025 strategy sites automation as a means to increase productivity and to offset the effect of increasing wages. While everybody gets worried if, uh, if your success is built on um, low-cost labor, that at some point of time if you're growing the way China is growing, the wages will go up, then what happens to the competitiveness? Uh, look at the 2025 strategy. It's already picked up, the automation piece of it, to keep the cost in check. It's it's amazing story that way how the manufacturing is also being planned around that. I just wanted to capture your thoughts on that, uh, Bing. Yeah, thank you, Mahesh. I mean, this you you spot on in terms of uh, talking about those uh, critical points in terms of not it's not just about economic growth, you know, and 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 top headline numbers. But if you look at the nature of the industry evolving, and, and as you pointed out in terms of the labor force, uh, you know, the labor force in China, whilst it started as very much focused on uh, relatively low-skill you know, manufacturing for uh, primarily for, for exports, uh, to what has changed to today, where you see the, the upskilling of the, of the labor force, and 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 that is is again come back to my earlier point in terms of the access to knowledge that has been happening, which means that uh, the, the 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 Chinese people are a lot more educated. They got access to 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 uh, to uh, to knowledge and be able to apply that in terms of how that can 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 change. The other big big point is that um, unlike unlike the the the, the Asian tigers, we we. We, we, we saw back in the 80s in terms of the, uh, the economic uh, phenomena that happened in, in places like Singapore and Korea. Um, what is different in, in, in China is that you've got such a massive domestic uh, uh, market. 
Um, today, we got uh, you know more than 200 million Chinese uh, who are already in the middle class, and that is resenting almost the entire size of the uh, of the U- United States. Uh, and that is a market that is continue to grow, and we still have we still have another three to four hundred million people in the urban areas that are still improving. Uh, their, their standard living every day in terms of their, you know, through knowledge and through a, a, a very wise application of the industry policies so that the upskill labor uh, is able to be able to deploy into sectors that's going to be uh, creating those productive uh, capacity for the future. Now, you touch on robotics and automation, and this is the forward looking in terms of the forward planning that's happening in China where where you know the government actually takes such a, a much longer term view and ensuring that uh, the the policy framework is there to provide the support and the right environment uh, for these exciting things to 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 happen and to ensure that the the economic growth and and and, and subsequently economic development is sustainable and I think this is this the whole skill set, the whole domestic consumption is something that uh, again it is is it's been developing and it's been accelerating at a pace that uh, we haven't seen before. And and I think I, I like to take your point, uh, which is a very good point earlier, uh, Mahesh, about in terms of the the whole supply chain, and this is remarkable. Uh, what we see here. Uh, whilst yep, you, you're saying that you know the 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 the, the reliance on on uh, export uh, uh, on terms of imported components uh, down from 60% to 35% today, whilst that uh, is telling us yep, you you got a, a very efficient local supply chain, but more importantly, if you look at it, it helps the in terms of the industry policies that goes with it and the in the development that taking place, it means that we got. Uh, in today's world, uh, products and you know goods that are available out in the global market that are a lot more affordable and a lot more accessible, and this is fundamental because if we want to have more and more people across the world, including emerging markets, which is very important, we got to make sure that those goods and those technology are going to be accessible and affordable by people because through that through that people can have access to knowledge access to information and this is the phenomenon we're seeing because what you see in in, in terms of that uh, that sort of development is that you can have access to a smartphone in, in, in China and in, in, in most emerging markets today at a fraction of the price of an Apple iPhone with right. very much similar access and functionality. And that's power, and that's power for development. Thank you, Mahesh. That's a great point. I think uh, you summarize it very well. I think this is a combination of several pieces of the economy done very correctly and uh, you rightly bought in there's a difference between the Asian Tigers came in and they could not remain competitive and in China is still maintaining that competitiveness by the right mix 
of uh, uh, the labor and the automation technology improving the supply chains uh, and uh, also the same I, I definitely agree with you that uh, the the demographic piece also helps China but you know you cannot rely only on the demographic piece there are many other countries who can have uh, if not as large uh, labor force as China but China is kind of managing the resources very well uh, building the supply chains and uh, uh, going for automation uh, this is uh, I would say it's more than the few things working correctly to keep this piece going on for so long so Ben thank you so much we'll be taking a short break and we'll be back shortly comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today we are having a very interesting discussion with Bang, my Oxford cohort from China, on the phenomenal growth story of China. Uh, China has accomplished a remarkable feat in transforming itself from one of the world's very poor countries to the largest economy in just 30 years. When I say largest economy, I qualify. It is GDP in terms of PPP. If you don't count in terms of PPP, it's number two. Still, a remarkable achievement. Uh, there have been several factors, not one factor, for uh, this success of growth in China. Chinese economic growth can be seen uh, as largely labor intensive with uh, high levels of fixed capital investment. The key factors for growth in GDP has been an increase in total factor productivity, we can call it TFP, which is productivity of labor and capital. And the fixed asset investments coming in since 1979, the increase in total factor productivity has contributed almost 
40% of GDP growth. The initial bounce in productivity, it was also supported, came from urbanization with the movement of people from sluggish rural economies to more efficient urban jobs. Also, the shifting of resources from the public sector. There were a lot of resources which were uh, invested in public sector to the private sector. That contributed almost 8% growth of China's GDP. In addition, if you look at the mass movement of workers from state-owned firms to the private sector, it was another factor that improved the productivity. And if you look at the contribution, the contribution of investments in fixed asset, it also contributed another 40% of the growth to the GDP in the same period. In the mid to late 90s, when the economy was on the path to growth, it got another push, and it continued after that, from foreign direct investment and joint ventures with developed countries. You know, the relationships with the rest of the world improved as growth in China's exports kept fueling the economy. So it looks like, bang, a lot of pieces were moving, as we were discussing in segment two also, uh, in favor of China for growth. Or maybe you can say that a lot of things were done correctly for the growth. That, that is correct, uh, Mahesh, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and I want to come back to your point about TFP, the total factor productivity. And this is where I think, you know, if we look at in terms of our classical finance term is when you're able to get the right settings to achieve compound growth, compound growth that's going to be able to uh, uh, ensure there is a uh, compelling factors that's going to allow that compound growth to continue to uh, ensure a sustainable uh, growth over time. And that solid, you know, a, a, a combination of the, or the sort of interworkings of the labor and capital is so fundamental. And you touched on in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, the productivity gain coming from there. And, 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 th and that is where, if you look at the upskilling of, of, of the labor force, uh, that, is, that cannot be underestimated in terms of the, how much uh, uh, skills that's been, been uh, uh, improved in terms of the, uh, the, the labor force here in China over the past decades and couple that with the a very, very focused uh, discipline policy on uh, fixed assets. And, 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 and you see that in, in, in a number of uh, industries across the board. Um, and in particular, you look at the, the railway uh, industry in, in China. Now that China has the largest network of uh, high-speed rail uh, in, in the world. And, and this is where you could see how that uh, investment in terms of technology, investment in terms of the local supply chain, as you touched on earlier, 
Uh, and I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Bengal. Yeah. You, uh, I can stop myself from interrupting. You bring in such a phenomenal point. I have seen over my travel for more than two decades in China where the fast train started from the Pudong Airport going to Shanghai. I, I, I will not talk about the local people, but I will say my own productivity went up. Because I was saving so much of time coming down to the city instead of using a cab, I will take a, uh, the fast train and get down at the very first station where it stops, which is a long way. It saved a humongous amount of time. What a productivity gain. Otherwise, I was just sitting in a cab. Exactly. And that is where, I mean, today, as you know, from Beijing all the way down to, to, uh, to Guangzhou, down south, which is a distance that is uh, almost, you know, between uh, Washington DC all the way to uh, to the west coast um, mm -hmm. you can do that under about eight hours in terms of the high-speed rail that used to take about three days and three nights for people to go in the in the old train but this is this is about connecting major cities it's about con connecting all the countryside as well along the way and now we also start to see the high-speed rail Going to connect from Beijing all the way down to Chengdu uh, in 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 the in the next uh, you know uh, in the next year or so, and that is where you're going to see that such a phenomenal uh, uh, um, uh, infrastructure spending, fixed investment spending, but importantly the technology that's going to allow uh, people to be connected uh, uh, in you know which was which was impossible in the old days. Yeah, that, and this is the power point. of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is, this is, uh, this is uh, a, a fundamental which, which oftentimes people don't really fully appreciate how much that is, that is, is happening and how much if that, you know, it's not about disconnecting, uh, getting the goods to be shipped across uh, uh, the, the country, but it also allows a much uh, a greater mobility of people and connecting people and, and businesses to get uh, new enterprises, new ideas to be uh, um, put into practice and get into where the markets want uh, to, it to be. And, and, and so you come back to the classical you know, efficient allocation resources where um, you, can, you can see how that is playing out in, in China in terms of uh, uh, people and capital, and now we've got the technologies that's going to be, uh, uh, that is uh, uh, a key driver of uh, how that all get interconnected. Perfect. Well, if you look at it, China has built, I, I agree with you on the high-speed trains and many other things, road networks, successfully built infrastructure. It is building a robust financial structure. It has remained a competitive player in the world market for export of its products. You know, despite the wage increase, still it has maintained that. And also, you know, it's, it's going beyond it. It's also engaged in development of other developing countries now. Look at Africa, how much China is playing there to develop some of those areas. Most definitely. And I think uh, uh, it comes back to your earlier point about uh, supply chain and 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 and. and, and and what I talked about in terms of uh, uh, accessibility and affordability, uh, where you can essentially now have uh, those uh, uh, new, you know, uh, goods and 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 and, and relatively sophisticated uh, um, 
smartphones and all that to be to be accessible and affordable by by many people, um, and that is a huge uh, a huge uh, uh, benefit to especially in emerging markets like Africa. Right, and you know the investments in the, in the uh, in the development of those regions. Um, you know that the new Silk Road is coming up, and uh, uh, one Belt One Road initiative, development of certain parts of Africa, building infrastructure for them. There is a good amount of presence of China showing up there. That is uh, cer- certainly the case, and 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 uh, it is about uh, it is about trade. It is about you know uh, uh, also make available. Um, um, uh, those uh, new advanced technologies and 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 goods that can be uh, there to help with the uh, development in uh, in those areas. Um, you know, we touched on terms of the massive sort of uh, um, uh, success in terms of uh, number of people being lifted out from poverty. We talked about in terms of the upskilling. All these are about in terms of how you increase, uh, you know, the knowledge level and in terms of, you know, the, the, the fundamental of economic development. And we see that that's been happening, uh, you know, in China uh, through that determination of, uh, you know, the policy framework, the people upskilling and also the uh, industry policies that allow uh, those uh, technology to be embraced and, and productivity gain that's coming through from the, uh, the, the, the TFP you talked about. And, and it's exciting to see how much of that uh, can play a role uh, into the future uh, for other emerging markets. Yeah, I think uh, it is quite clear from our uh, uh, discussion till now, a very disciplined approach and clear government policy uh, which defines the direction and the boundaries within which to operate and how to grow the business, uh, determination of people, and uh, uh, support of the demographic, it's really helping in, in the growth of business in China. It's not only limiting to manufacturing products and supplying, and not only just getting foreign direct investment. Now China has started uh, uh, you know, helping in developing of other countries where it can be helpful in developing their natural resources and, and working with them. Uh, ben, thank you so much. We'll take a short break now and uh, we will start our discussion again in a few minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are having very interesting discussion with Bang from China on the phenomenal growth story of China. So, Bang, we, we talked a lot about the conventional manufacturing and, and trading and a lot of other things which uh, China is doing uh, correctly to become a, a global economic power. I want to pick uh, uh, your brains on and get your insight from you that how to see the continued growth of China in digital age because there are a lot of large companies coming up very successfully from China, companies like Alibaba, Xiaomi. Uh, they are creating successful global businesses of new age, and that's a positive sign. This is way uh, far away from uh, you know, uh, the government-supported manufacturing or manufacturing at the low end of the products, moving to the high end, automation. But this is direct connection in the digital age. Yeah, Mahesh, this, this is uh, again. This is a a a big phenomenon that's uh, that we are witnessing here, where we see the companies like you know Alibaba, Xiaomi, and we also have uh, companies like, for example, Vivo and Oppo, are making such a big uh, impact and and imprint starting in 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 domestic China economy and China market, and now we start to see them you know making a bigger footprint outside of China. Now this is a, a, a fantastic uh, development that we can see there because what we see is that in those uh, organizations they're bringing the best of what the world can offer, not just what the China what China can offer. And if you look at in terms of uh, uh, the technologies that's uh, coming through from there, uh, again I I, I, you know, I just have to keep repeating what I just said: accessibility and affordability. This is such a powerful thing. When you get a smartphone that is a fraction of the price of what you know what you have to pay for a uh, is equivalent in in Apple or Samsung, it's incredible. It gives people so much ability to be able to access those uh, uh, information and and knowledge. So I think it is an incredible uh, time going ahead as we see the fruits of what's happening in China. And through the uh, much open economy and in terms of a, uh, a continued embrace of, of globalization, that we see how much of those fruits and the positives and the, and the, and the benefits that's going to be able to uh, 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 shared uh, across the world. And, and, and certainly in, uh, in emerging markets, this is, uh, uh, this is starting to make a, uh, a significant impact. And, and I think this is where, um, again, I like to emphasize that you know, when you look at in terms of companies like Alibaba and, and Xiaomi and all that, it is not about China going out to the world. And I think this is about bringing the best China has and then looking at in terms of how that's going to make an impact uh, for the rest of the world, especially with emerging markets. Yeah, that's, Thank you, Mahesh. That, that, that's an amazing success story you, you, you talked about, Xiaomi, and Vivo also, and Alibaba. Uh, because if you look at it, if you go back a few years, uh, maybe a decade, you will hear China as a manufacturing place for electronics and digital age products. Manufacturing for somebody, for, uh, for let's say, Apple iPhones, you know. That okay, the iPhones and the computers coming out of there, but the business models now what are coming up? One is the products. Beyond that, the business models coming out of Alibaba, coming out of Xiaomi, are unbelievable. 
and uh, and they 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 are the game changers. And at times, uh, people in rest of the world are learning from them, like Xiaomi phone. Uh, Bang! I heard that they 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 have an open feedbacks. Um, program where anybody can request them what kind of features they want in the phone and uh, uh, they evaluate it and their new product development cycle or, or to add those features if they find that it is useful the idea which has come in is very very short and I believe it is shorter than anybody else can can apply to it like Apple or Samsung would come out with the phone when they launch it where Xiaomi has created that niche in applying the technology uh, at a very fast pace if they have to uh, apply some new development into the product. Yeah, and, and, and this goes into the heart of in terms of uh, the scale of the market in China, uh-huh. where it allows you know, uh, companies, organizations like, uh, like Alibaba and Xiaomi to be able to to able to uh, invest in 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 technologies and to research and innovation uh, that the, the market is so hungry for, um, and and they know that uh, given the level of competition in this market, uh, they have to act fast. They ha- there's, there needs to be a sense of urgency as they look in terms of how they're going to uh, bring those uh, innovative ideas into real proposition, uh, customer proposition. And um, and and that that determination and discipline to make that happen, to make sure that you create that value to to, to customers, uh, and that that customer feedback loop, which uh, you know one should not take it for granted. One should really use it to look at how it helps you to look at what, what the customers are thinking and where the markets uh, are emerging and where the future trend. And these are the big thing. And then again, you know, you touched on in terms of automation earlier. Uh, you know, big data that is uh, that is also a very big thing here in terms of how uh, companies uh, like uh, Alibaba be able to collect the hundreds of millions of users that uh, go into their system and be able to start looking at how to best uh, 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 put those into work in terms of the research that is has a, a prime objective of delivering value add and innovative uh, proposition to, to customers. Again, come back to my earlier point. It's a win-win thing because those, mark, those business models will evolve over time to ensure that the whole customer-centric you know, value proposition becomes, uh, you know, it's non-negotiable. It becomes such a critical uh, su- uh, success fa- factor uh, for, for those organizations because they have to earn every customer. They have to earn the right to be able to keep those customers. Uh, and the competition is there. It is not like, you know, where we have big organizations in, in our Western economies where, you know, you kind of, you know, be building that up that for, for a long, long time and you, you kind of have that, that this thing called customer loyalty. Well, you know what? It ain't going to last long if you do, if you stop producing that value add to the customers because it, Loyalty only goes that far. I think that's a great point. That's a great point. Bang, you, you, this has been a phenomenal discussion. I know we are into the last two minutes of our program, but uh, um, very interesting discussion, Bang. I see that uh, there is a very positive cultural impact on uh, 
uh, on the business, uh, you know, the win-win situation, uh, uh, culturally being imbibed there, and uh, willingness of people to build trust and, and build long-term relationships. That's a very big positive for business. Great manufacturing, uh, build-up of manufacturing from whatever end started to, to highly automated, from labor-intensive to automated. You know, that's great. And keeping the, uh, the cost in check, the cost of the product. Uh, and replacing uh, the imported supply chains into domestic efficient supply chains, government's willingness to support the initiative, the the policy support, and uh, uh, financial system coming in, foreign direct investment, and uh, also uh, you know multinationals coming in in China, uh, starting to work with other countries, helping them to develop. All of them are such good positives. No doubt it has become such a large economy. And now, uh, large companies, large market caps like Alibaba, Xiaomi, Vivo, you named a lot of them, connecting even to the digital age. You're, you're not just the manufacturing uh, uh, place for the world for just the products. Now we are into the new uh, age also. So China seems to be participating very well in the digital age also. So there's a lot to look forward to a continued role of China in the global economy and uh, before I uh, before we close the program I just wanted to share three unique things about China with our uh, uh, listeners today the first one is the three gorgeous dam is the only true engineering marvel on this planet the, the largest dam which has been built till date and um, you can imagine the size uh, by the numbers it has created a reservoir which is the size of almost the whole kingdom of Bahrain. And it uh, holds almost 40 cubic kilometers of water. And uh, uh, if you look at the size of China, there's a second unique fact. China is roughly the same size as U.S. It is almost twice as big as the entire European Union. Now, these comparative nations or unions have at least three time zones. But China, on the other end, has only one time zone. It has Beijing time, and it applies everywhere. It has one language, and it has one central, very effective government. And the last fact which I want to share, the third one is, one in, a, one in five humans alive today are Chinese. That means 20% of the world population. So, um, Bang, I will let you uh, uh, close the episode, and, and thank you so much for joining uh, for such an interesting discussion. Yeah, thank you, Mahesh. Thank you again for the opportunity. And I think it's certainly uh, you know, great to be able to share in terms of uh, the insights uh, uh, from, from China. And, and, and I hope uh, you know, uh, what we see in terms of the, the, the success that we've seen in, in China, uh, the, the development that's been, that has taken uh, the, the impact that brought about from economic, uh, you know, how can that, how that of uh, uh, the of labor in terms of people with a much better standard of living, base economy starts to come together, and how that whole embrace uh, of uh, both globalization and digital age is is so uh, uh, fundamental uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, uh, bringing the whole economy and 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 creating a, a very exciting future. So we we'll see that, and I think you know from from that uh, as as China continue to take a, a bigger role in terms of uh, of the global economy, 
um, I you know certainly you know, see that such a fantastic future in terms of how how much we could uh, also benefit from those uh, China growth and and how much of that is going to be able to help uh, also in terms of uh, uh, some of the developments that's taking place in uh, in in emerging markets. So thank you very much, Mahesh. This has uh, a, uh, been a, a great uh, opportunity to, to share these uh, insights with you. Thank you so much.